بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما رسائدوا الشريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد We concluded our discussion in the morning after Salatul Fajr by saying that Imam Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullah explains to us that every single movement in this world is based on love. Every single movement. The movement of each and every atom is based on love. The celestial objects, the planets, the stars, the sun, the moon, all of these have been created and their original position is to remain still. But Allah has appointed angels and the level of the angels is not only do they have alaqa with Allah, not only do they have sababa uh, with Allah, not only is it ishq, not only is it, it goes right to the top meaning, they, they love Allah so much that they worship Him. They worship Him 24-7. And they are the ones who are running this whole system. So the moving, the sun rising and the sun setting, it's, this is moving in the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every time the wind blows, it's blowing in the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's the love of Allah that drives every single movement in this world. The only movement which we don't know whether it's working for the love of Allah or the love of something else is our movement. Other than that, every other movement in the world that is taking place is happening in the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he went on to say, if it wasn't for the love of Allah, there'd be no planets orbiting. The sun wouldn't move, the rain wouldn't fall, the clouds wouldn't move, the wind wouldn't blow, nothing, no crops would grow if it wasn't for the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, we're coming to the end of the book. We're coming to the conclusion of this. And we're coming towards the end of Ramadan. We only have tomorrow left. Uh, one more day. Uh, tonight will be the last night of uh, Salatul Taraweeh. We make sure Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts our Ramadan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept all everything that has been done and also all the lessons that we've been learning. So just like we are wrapping up Ramadan, we're wrapping up our journey of Imam Ibn Qayyim Rahmatullah's book. So while studying the book of Imam Ibn Qayyim Rahmatullah and talking about love, why are we talking about love? Why are we talking about love? Why is he emphasizing and talking about the topic of love so much? Why? It does, but why, has he, why is he talking about love? Yes, why does he need to find a higher love? Because he fell in? He fell in love. The whole, the question, he fell in love. But that love was a haram love. It wasn't a love that was allowed. It was a lower love. This is why Imam Ibn Qayyim rahmatullahi is speaking about the topic of love and opening it up saying, any love you have in this world, 
it's a superficial love. And if it's, if it's haram, that's even worse. If it's haram, and in this case, it was haram. You know, he speaks about this very soon. It's going to come where a person falls in love, but you can't get that person. You can't have that person. And that love kills you. And he goes, that's very dangerous. Very dangerous. So this is why he's speaking about love, because the person fell in love. And he said the way to come out of it is to create a higher love. And that is the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now we're coming to the final discussion. And the final discussions are, he's going to explain to us some of the effects of love. When you fall in love with someone, it has an effect. There's a consequence. So he's going to explain to us what these are. When you love someone or something, it has effects. It's not you're going to love something and that's it. It's going to have an effect. It's going to have consequences. And there's going to be rulings. It's going to be Islamic rulings as well. When you love someone, as a result of that love, you're going to experience an effect or a feeling or a consequence. There's going to be rulings for that. Is it allowed? Is it not allowed? Is it good? Is it not good? Is it rewarding? Is it sinful? That's going to happen. Regardless whether it's a praiseworthy love or a blameworthy love. Praiseworthy love is the love of Allah, the love of the Prophet, the love of the Quran, the love of your parents. These are, so are, are, there's going to be a result of this. And if it's a blameworthy love, meaning a haram love, even that it's going to have a consequence, is going to have effects. Nafi'atun aw dharra, either beneficial or it's going to be harmful. What kind of effects is giving us a full breakdown? What kind of effects do you have and consequences of loving? Number one, dhawq. Dhawq is like a taste. When you're in love, you get dhawq. It's like you can taste something. It's not like tasting food, but there's a kind of a taste. Well, wajd, wajd over here would mean like a feeling of ecstasy, a feeling of euphoria. You can't describe it. There's no words to express. But when you're in love, okay, you, you're like walking in the clouds. And, well, halawa, sweetness. There's certain sweetness that you wouldn't find in sugar and honey, but you find this in love. Well, shawk, we spoke about shawk already, longing. Now, even in the absence of the beloved, whether it's a halal or a haram, okay, there's this longing, always wanting to meet the beloved. Well, uns, uns means commonality, comfort. You feel in that person's presence, you feel very close, you feel comfortable, you feel at home. Well, ittisal bil mahbub wal qurbu minhu, closeness and connection with the beloved. Well, infisal, and when you're away from that person, you feel separated. Okay, when you're away from normal people, you don't feel anything. But when you're away from a beloved, okay, this is an effect of it. That you feel, even if it's only one meter away, or one day away, or it's only been half an hour, you feel separation. Well, farhu was sumur, he's saying happiness and joy. Well, buka'u wal huzn, crying. Sometimes you cry out of love, you cry. You feel sadness out of love. Wa ghayru dhalika min ahkamiha wa lawazimiha. So he's saying all these types of consequences, love, regardless whether it's praiseworthy love or blameworthy love, love has effects and consequences. Now he's going to explain to us what are the rulings? Because it's, it's not like you can 
everything in this world, you will have a ruling. وَالْمَحَبَّةَ الْمَحْمُودَةِ هِيَ الْمَحَبَّةَ النَّافِعَةِ الَّتِي تَجْلِبُ لِصَاحِبِهَا مَا يَنْفِعُهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَآخِرَةِ What does it mean to have a praiseworthy love? He says, a praiseworthy love is the love which is beneficial that brings you benefit for the world or benefit for the hereafter. This is what we call a good love. It's going to give you benefit in the world, benefit in the hereafter. وَهَذِهِ الْمَحَبَّةِ هِيَ أُنْوَانُ سَعَادَتِهِ وَالدَّارَّةِ سَعَادَتِهِ He says, this is the love which will bring you success in this world and also in the hereafter. This type of love. It will bring you success in dunya and also in akhirah. Now he's going to tell us what is the blameworthy love, the harmful love. وَالدَّارَّةِ هِيَ الَّتِي تَجْلِبُ لِصَاحِبِهَا مَا يَدُرُّهُ فِي دُنْيَاهُ وَآخِرَتِهِ it's that love which brings you harm in this world and also harm in the hereafter as well. And that is the main cause for a person's misfortune in this life and also in the life hereafter. This is no intelligent and sane person would ever choose to love that thing which harms you. If you're intelligent, no intelligent person in the world will choose something, choose to love something that's going to harm you. But if it ever happens, if it ever happens that somebody in this world chooses to love something that harms you, he says that will only happen because of two reasons. Number one, jahl, ignorance. But you don't know. You don't know that this thing is harmful for you. That's why you're doing it. Or number two, dhulm. Dhulm is oppression. Can you remember the meaning, the literal meaning of dhulm we gave like long time ago in the beginning of Ramadan? Can anybody remember what dhulm literally means? Inshallah, from quarter past eight. Yeah, quarter, quarter past eight. Inshallah. Or, uh, so, dhulm means wadu'u shayt fi ghayri mahallihi. Wadu'u shayt fi ghayri mahallihi. To, to place something in a place where it doesn't belong. That's what dhulm actually means. Place something where it doesn't belong. To place something where it belongs is adl, is justice. That's what justice is. Doing the right thing. Okay, to put something where it belongs in its right place, to fulfill the rights, this is justice. Dhulm actually means to put something where it doesn't belong. So if there's, a, if there's an innocent person and you beat them up or you kill them, they, that, they didn't deserve that. That's dhulm. Okay, and you get different levels of dhulm. So you see, the only reason why a person would love Something that's harmful for you is one of two reasons. Either out of jahal, ignorance, because you don't know better, or because of dhulm. Because you're loving something, you know, it doesn't deserve your love. You're not supposed to, that's dhulm, that's the level of dhulm. It, your, that love, that, the level of love you're giving to that item or individual should be given to Allah. But you're doing it because out of dhulm. فَإِنَّ النَّفْسَ قَدْ تَهْوَى مَا يَدُرُّهَا وَلَا يَنْفَعُهَا 
the nafs, okay, desires, the, the desires of a person, it loves that thing uh, which will harm you and doesn't benefit you. That's the nafs. The nafs is like that. وَذَلِكَ ظُلْمٌ مِّنَ الْإِنسَانِ لِنَفْسِهِ This is a person doing ظُلْمَ on themselves. إِمَّا بِأَنْ تَكُولَ جَاهِلَةً So one way is, if you're really ignorant, you're ignorant of the reality. Some of us are, but you don't know that a person is ignorant of reality. بِحَالِ مَحْبُوبِهَا وَيَنْتَهُوَ الشَّيْبَةُ حِبُّهُ غَيْرَ عَالِمَةٌ بِمَا فِي مَحَبَّتِهِ مِنَ الْمَضَرَّةِ they could end up loving something that's harmful for you. Or, Many people know the harms. How many people smoke and they can see it tells you clearly on them. Smoking kills. Smoking causes cancer. How many people die because as a result of this every single year? You know. But even then you go and you do this, this is lulm, this is oppression. The only reason you're doing it because you are a ghalim. You're putting something where it doesn't belong. You know very, very well, this is very harmful for you. It's harmful, it's wrong for you to do it. You, Allah gave you this body. Allah did not give you permission to harm it in this way by smoking. But you're doing this. Imam Ibn Qayyim says the only reason why somebody would do this is out of ignorance. But you're not ignorant, you know, because it says it very clearly in bold. It's out of dhulm. This is a level of dhulm. فَلَا تَقَعَ الْمَحَبَّةَ الْفَاسِدَ إِلَّا مِنْ جَهْلٍ وَعَتِقَادٍ فَاسِدٍ أَوْ هَوَنْ غَالِبٍ أَوْ مَا تَرَقَّبَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ وَعَانَ بَعْضُهُ بَعْضًا so let's move on now what he's saying when you understand this when you understand this that a person will only love something or someone that's harmful for you in the world and in the hereafter the only reason you would do it is number one, either out of ignorance, number one, jahl, ignorance, or out of dhulm. He's saying, This is a very interesting discussion, he starts. Every type of love that you have in this world, every single type of love that you have in this world, he says, following it will be a ruling in accordance to it. If it's a halal love, okay? Now, it doesn't matter if you have good feelings or bad feelings. Sometimes you have a halal love. Love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Out of love of Allah, okay, you're trying to do the right thing. Sometimes you feel good. Sometimes you don't feel good. Okay, you're doing the right thing. But even then, you feel, you feel like you're tired. You feel really upset. You don't know what's happening, but you're doing the right thing. So he's saying that if the love is a good love, regardless how you're feeling, you will still be rewarded. Because the base that you always go back to, was it a praiseworthy love or a blameworthy love? On the contrary, if it's a blameworthy love, right? It's a haram love. Even if you're really enjoying yourself, like some people do these things, right? Because it just makes me happy. 
that happiness is sinful. That happiness, you might be feeling happy, but it's harmful for you. The ruling of that happiness is that that happiness is haram. That happiness is not good for you. It's harmful for you. So this is what he's saying. Every love, the, the feelings that come and the effects that come after it, the ruling will be according to that. You might be struggling, for example, one day in Ramadan to fast. You're shedding tears. Those tears, okay, are rewarding. The tears are good for you. On the flip side, you could be experiencing uh, joy and jubilation as a result of a haram love. Those tears are, it's better for you to be tearing, it's better for you to be crying, it's better for you to be sad, it's better to, for you to be in a situation where you're going through a struggle in a halal love because that's rewarding. On the contrary, that is a sin, even though it looks like you're enjoying yourself. This is what Imam Ibn Qayyim is mentioning to us. Joy, happiness that you get from a harmful love. Why is it so bad? Because it distances you from Allah. You're not getting closer to Allah. You're getting further and further. وَالْمَحَبَّةَ الدَّارَّ الْمَذْمُومَ تَوَابِعُهَا وَآثَارُهَا كُلُّهَا ضَارَّةٌ لِصَاحِبِهَا مُبْعِذَةٌ لِمَنْ لَهُ مِنْ رَبِّهِ كَيْفَمَا تَقَلَّبَ فِي آثَارِهَا وَنَزَلَ فِي مَنَازِرِهَا وَهُوَ فِي خِصَارَةٍ مُبَعْدٍ might be happy, elated, enjoying themselves because I'm with my beloved. Okay, it makes me feel better. She makes me feel better. Okay, she takes away my worries, my pains. But do you realize by doing that what's happening is every time you're getting closer to her, you're getting more and more further away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَهَذَا شَأْنُ كُلُّ فَعْلٍ تُولَدُ عَنْ طَاعَةٍ he says, this is the result of every action, every action that is created from an act of obedience and an act of sin. The effect of every good deed is that good deed, what happens as a result of obedience, you become closer to Allah. And as a result of that, regardless of how you feel, you're not going to always feel in a good condition. Many people, they get a little bit phased. The brother the other day come and Ramadan's gone very well. And then just last few days, he's feeling very down, very depressed, losing his mind, even felt suicidal as well. He's crying because I, just, I don't know why I'm crying. I just don't know why I'm crying. I just feel really rubbish. Um, I don't know what it is, can't explain it. But the thing is, those tears, that struggle, someone might look and pity that situation and think, oh no, like, you know, go and do this or go and do that. But in reality, that's highly rewarding because it's, those tears are based on a true love. He's not doing anything wrong. He, he thinks he's doing something wrong, but is he? And this is how human life is this is how life is in this world not every day you're going to feel excited not every day you're going to feel joy he said the beginning of ramadan was so good and so nice because why is it now i'm feeling because you're used to it you know in the beginning it was new when we started ramadan it was all there's a buzz there 
praying taraweeh, fasting. He goes, I never felt hungry all Ramadan. Today I've been feeling very hungry, very thirsty. What is it? He goes, I'm thinking, is it me? Is it my weakness? Is Allah unhappy with me? No, it's not that. It's just normal. This is a normal process. Nobody is going to always be happy. And do you know what? There's nothing wrong with being sad. A lot of people think feeling sadness is a bad thing. Feeling sad is a very natural thing. It happened to prophets. It happened to the greatest of people. The Quran is filled with it. Okay? The sadness, so much sadness that he, he became lying. Is somebody going to say, oh, he lost his iman? Where's his iman? No. He had very strong iman. Feeling sad doesn't mean you don't have iman. Feeling sad doesn't mean that you're lacking something. But a lot of times, sometimes people make you feel like that. And sometimes we ourselves tell ourselves these things. So what he's saying is, in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when people believe, when you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tells us in the Quran, Quran says, in the path of Allah, you're going to face trials and tribulations. That doesn't mean you're losing. But what it does mean is, every time you feel any fatigue, you feel tiredness, you feel hardship, you feel done over by somebody. Allah says, You're being given a reward. Good action is being written for you for each of these things. Each of these things. On the contrary, you could be having the best of moments, right? You're missing salah. Everyone's eating. All of, all of these people are standing endlessly for hours, staying hungry day and night. I'm here with my beloved and chilling. It's the best moment of my life on an exotic island, enjoying myself. But he's saying that happiness is bringing you misery bringing you sin, bringing you disaster, and it's taking you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You might not see it then, but that's the reality what's happening. So you see, every type of love, depending on the love, the ruling is according to that. So the feelings will come regardless of which feeling. So just because of many people, when they're trying to do something good, the sad feelings sometimes put them off. What he's trying to say is, don't let that put you off. Because even on your sadness, you're getting reward. On your pain, you're getting reward. On your difficulty, you're getting reward. You'd rather feel sad in a halal love than feel happy in a haram love. Because that happiness is taking you away from Allah. This sadness is bringing you closer to Allah. That's why there is one hadith Qudsi where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I am by the broken hearts. When your heart breaks, and you're feeling down in those down moments, that is when it's up to you though. You can either become close to Allah or you can become distant from Allah. It's up to you. At that time, if someone thinks, oh, why is Allah doing this to me? Why is this happening to me? And you run up, a lot of times you run away from Allah in these moments. Then that becomes bad for us. But some people take advantage of that opportunity and become close to Allah. And this uh, disaster and calamity becomes a huge blessing for this person. If it wasn't for this disaster, you would have never gained that level of proximity and closeness to Allah. Um, so much so that in the hereafter, people will wish, Oh Allah, we wish none of our duas were accepted. We wish in the world, we just had calamity upon calamity. We shouldn't wish for calamity. Always ask for afiyah. Always ask for afiyah. 
it's just giving us context on the day of judgment people will see the reward of hardships and pain and patience and they wish that in the world we wish you know it was tough so that we could get all of these blessings that these people are getting now he's saying this is that person who's being killed by a haram love he uses some people are being killed by a, they're living today okay amongst the us and they are living in this haram love and this haram love is killing them because that individual should really think about what we've discussed in this particular chapter because every single day, okay, they're going through a punishment. They're punishing themselves by indulging in this haram kind of love. Now, Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim rahmatullah reminds us of something. He says, al jawab." He goes, we're finishing now. He goes, we're going to finish this book now. He goes, I set out to answer al-jawab al-kafi, the sufficient response. He goes, my answer is coming to an end. al jawab." Can you remember quite a while ago, Imam Ibn Qayyim told us that somebody who's stuck in this sin, okay, there's two ways to cure that sin. Do you remember? Or has it been a long time? What did he say? There's two ways to cure this sin if you're already stuck in it. Yeah? What did he say? Which were the two ways? Number one is. Hmm? Sorry? Yes, but that's, that's part of the category. There's two methods. What are the two methods? The first one, I, I always give the example of vitamins. Prevention. The first method is prevention. Okay? And then in prevention, he said there's two ways of doing this. Yeah? We've just finished those two ways. He said there's two ways of curing. The first is prevention. So he said two ways to cure. And then he said one is prevention and one is dealing with it from the source. So we've been speaking about the two ways of prevention. What were the two ways of prevention? Number one was lowering the gaze. And number two was creating a deeper love and a deeper fear. That's all this discussion was based on that. Yeah? So if anybody's already stuck in this sin, he said there are two ways we're going to deal with it. One is preventative. Preventative will be dealt with two ways. Number one, lowering the gate. And number two, creating a deeper fear and a deeper love. He says, we've just finished that. Now we're going to speak about the final topic in conclusion of my answer to this person who asked the question. And he said, this is going to be nipping it from the bud if somebody is already has already fallen into this sin of attachment in haram love he says if somebody has fallen into the dangerous sin of falling for external physical beauty that's what it is isn't it form if somebody has fallen into loving how to break out of falling into loving external beauty physical form and he's going to explain he's going to tell us what are the harms of this uh, instant harms and the delayed harms in the hereafter he said there's so many how many are we going to mention 
One of them is The first harm is of this ishq of haram love. He says is that it destroys your heart. Up until now we've said that you need a strong heart. The heart is everything. The first thing is it destroys your heart. When the heart is destroyed, he says, your intention, you can't have a good intention. Your willpower is destroyed. Your actions are destroyed. Because your tawheed is destroyed. If your heart is destroyed, your tawheed, because that heart was supposed to be for one. He said, your tawheed is destroyed. And he goes, we've mentioned this already, we're going to mention it again. Wallahu subhanahu wa ta'ala, innama haka an hadal marad an ta'ifatayni min al-nas. He goes, Allah speaks about this disease of ishq, of falling in love with somebody, which is a haram love, in the Quran in two places. In two places. One, number one, al-Lutiyah, the people of Lut alayhi He goes, that's one example of ishq. Where people fell in love, okay, boys fell in love with boys. That's number one. And number two, one nisa with women. Where is it with women? He gives the example of the wife of the minister of Egypt. Her name was Zulaikha. The way she fell in love with Yusuf alayhi salam. Yusuf alayhi salam was free, totally innocent. But Allah explains these two examples of ishq in the Quran where people fell in a haram love. One is the people of Lut alayhi salam and the other is the wife of the minister of Egypt, Zulaikha, how she fell in love with Yusuf alayhi salam. And Yusuf alayhi salam, we see, he protected himself. He kept himself pure. And it's amazing how he did it because he's going to go into explaining to us uh, almost 12, 12 different reasons how Zulaika was pulling Yusuf towards him. There were 12 different powerful tools present there which were pulling Yusuf There was nothing stopping him. Rather, there were 12 things that were pulling him towards her and there was nothing stopping him whatsoever besides his own chastity and his connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the power of pull, you know, when, you know when you're in a situation where you've got so many things stopping you from doing the sin, that's different. But here he wasn't like that. For Yusuf alayhi salam, the Quran tells us there were so many, so many things that were pulling him towards the sin and there was nothing there that was stopping him at the end of the day so we're gonna go through 12 of these and inshallah on that we will conclude today's session inshallah so very quickly we're gonna go through 12 of these and the quran mentioned this is this is imam ibn qayyim after mentioning this because this lesson in itself is so profound this is i'm thinking maybe i'll make a whole book out of just this topic itself he also mentions at the end. I don't know if he went on and did that later on, but you'll see. Number one, how many things were pulling Yusuf salam towards this ishq? Okay. Number one, ahaduha, ma Allah subhanahu wa taala fi rajul min The fact that he was a man, that in itself. A man has natural inclination toward the woman because the fact that Allah made him a man. And there was a, a woman there present. The fact that he was a man, that itself 
was something that was pulling him. Okay, a natural inclination. Just like a thirsty person drinks water, a hungry person wants food, and there are so many people in the world, they can resist food, they can resist hunger, they can resist the temptation of thirst and drinking water. They can't resist a woman. If they ever fall in a situation where they're really hungry, they'll resist food, resist water, thirst, they can't resist a woman. Okay, they fall into the haram, may Allah protect us. But he's saying despite that, he saved himself. So that was number one. Count as we're going along. I think there's about 12 he mentions. Number one, and these are all in the Quran. Number one. Number two. Anna Yusuf alayhi salam kana shaddan. Yusuf alayhi salam was a young youth at the time. He was an old man. He was young. And the passion inside a youth is much more stronger when they are young. So that was number two. So the first one, he was a man. Naturally, you're inclined towards a woman. Number two, he was young. He was youth. Brim of his youth. Athalif, number three. He was single. He didn't have a wife. He was single. So that in itself was, was an inclination, would have, would have pulled him. There are so many reasons why it would have been very easy for Yusuf to fall into that. Number three, number four. He was a stranger. He wasn't he was in Birmingham. He wasn't in Askar. Okay, He wasn't in his local community where everybody knows him. If you want to mess around, play around, you know, where do you go? You go to, you know, Ibiza, go somewhere else. Okay, go away. Let's not give too much stuff away. But if you want to play around, what will people do? People go away. They go where nobody knows you. Nobody knows you. You mess around there, do your stuff, you come back and then you're a Sharif again. Okay? My brother Iqbal uh, was with us in Umrah uh, just now. And he sent something to me. And every time I remember, it makes me laugh. Um, there are many people there in Umrah. Some people are civilized and some people aren't. So, you know, people are giving out dates, people are giving out bread, people are giving out yogurt, people are giving out water. Some people, regardless when someone's giving something out, they just jump for it and they're just looting. No matter, it, just because it's a freebie, people are just looting, looting, looting. When it's time to go in a single file, some people just push and they go crazy and they're just jumping all the time. Okay? And on these occasions, you think, you know, you've come for Umrah, you've come for Hajj, be a little bit civilized. So the comment that he mentioned that made me laugh is, at the moment here, they're acting like animals and going crazy. When they go back home, they're going to be, mashallah, big hadith and No one will know what naughty things they've been doing over there and how they've been wasting their time and inconveniencing people. They've come back home and now, mashallah, big hadith they've got beard and, you know, but this is how it is. He was a stranger. Nobody would knew him there. If you want to do something wrong, people go out of town and do it there, not in your own locality. So number four, Number five, The woman, she wasn't some, he wasn't a prostitute he was dealing with. Who was this? She was that amongst very beautiful and a very high position, the wife of the Aziz. She was royalty, she was a royal woman. Like, why not? Why not? Like, well, people die for this. Okay, people dream about this. This is coming for free. Free. Very beautiful, high woman, not, not, not someone from the street. Number five. Number six. She was coming to him. He wasn't going to her. 
she wasn't running away from him. Most of the time, if you're trying to go after somebody and you can't get them, okay? So that now Imam Ibn Qayyim is beautiful. He, he really understands the human psyche. He, he goes, a lot of people, what happens when you fall in love with somebody, you try and, you know, send them a message, send a message to somebody else. You try these things. And when it doesn't work, when you find out she's not interested, you kind of think, all right, forget about it. I tried my luck. I thought I was lucky. But then he, he says something else, which is really, really interesting. Because there's a lot of people, they actually like rejection. Because they get a buzz out of it when they try and seduce somebody and they say no. That makes it, them, it makes them even more inclined. They want to try even harder. And it's amazing that he's speaking about this kind of stuff. Anyway, we don't have time to go in, in, into the understanding of that. So because there's some people that actually when the opposite person says no, it increases their passion and desire. So he's saying he wasn't going for her. She was coming to him. So he, he, wanted, he didn't have to worry about, will she like me, will she not like me, is she going to accept me, is she going to reject me, no. So can you see all of these things? How many have we done? Six. Asabit, number seven. She is the one who planned this whole thing. It wasn't just done like she planned it very well. She is the one who plotted. She is the one who schemed. He had nothing to do with it. But even if he went and did it, he would have, no one would have blamed him for anything. Because she planned, she actually orchestrated the whole thing. It, it took time, it took planning, scheming, plotting. She planned the whole thing out. He didn't do anything. Number eight, Athamin, Annahu fi dariha wa tahta sultaniha wa qahriha. It was in her house, it was in his. She didn't come over to his house and then he seduced her. No, it was her own house. It's up to her. He's, un he's living under her, under her rules. She does it, she doesn't do it. No one's gonna, she's not gonna go and tell people because it's in her house. It's, so there's so many reasons why it was so easy for him to have gone towards because so many things were pulling him towards this. Nothing was pushing him away. At-Tasit number nine. أَنَّهُ لَا يَخْشَى أَن تُلَمَّ عَلَيْهِ هِيَ وَلَا أَحَدْ مِنْ جَهْتِهَتِهَا There was no fear of blame. He did not have any fear of anyone blaming him. Why would anyone blame him? There was no fear. Because it was all 100% it was from her. So sometimes you stay away from doing something, oh no, I'm going to get caught. People are going to blame me for it. Even if you can make it out as if it was the other person, but here there's no fear of blame whatsoever. Number? Al-Ashid, number 10. أَنَّهُ كَانَ فِي الظَّاهَرِ مَمْلُوكًا لَهَا فِي الدَّارِ بِحَيْثِ يَدْخُلُ وَيَفْرُدُ وَيَحْدُرْ مَعْهَا وَلَا يَنْكِرَ عَلَيْهِ So he says, number 10 is, in one way, he was owned by her. Because remember, they kind of took him in as a slave. So he's living with them. He owned her. She owned him. Sorry, she owned him. So again, like, in one way, if she's, because she's the master and she goes, look, you have to do this. In one way, he's like, okay, I don't have a choice in this. You're kind of forcing me. I don't want to do it. And someone could just go around and do it, thinking, okay, I was forced. Even if they enjoyed it. I was forced. I don't have a choice. 
you're my master, you own me. You can. But now he brings something interesting. That, why did this whole thing happen, by the way? Why did this even end up happening? Such a woman of nobility, right? And royalty, why would she do this? This is the reason. Yusuf salam, was living in her house. He would enter, he would exit. She would say, Yusuf, bring this please. Yusuf, can you bring the water please? Yusuf, come over here. Yusuf, go over there. Yusuf, over here. Yusuf, there. This was a problem. Pre-mixing. There was pre-mixing happened. And this is why now as well we say, a lot of people want to push towards this. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. We are so fortunate. We have facilities. And we should have facilities. And we don't want anyone to make this an excuse not to have facilities for sisters and for brothers and for children. But there has to be, you know, a system. Alhamdulillah, we have a system here where the sisters' area is separate, the men's area is separate. Okay? We've got a separate there. A lot of places don't end up having facilities because, oh, they think that there's going to be fitna. You have to prevent the fitna. You have to make sure that there's a separate area for the men, separate area for the women. And that's how we control this. What happened over here, there was free mixing happening here. Because Yusuf salam was in the house and he was like a slave, a helper. And she was like calling him, come here, Yusuf do this, Yusuf do that, Yusuf do this, Yusuf do that. And he didn't have any bad intentions whatsoever, but she would see him. And it's because of this, it's because of this, uh, there was already from beforehand, she already had all of this love build up. It wasn't something that happened overnight, but she just saw him in love at first sight. No, it was because of the free mixing. And this is why in this game, you have to be very, very, very particular in this regard. Because that's how it starts from. Like the Arab poets, they said to some of the uh, high noble women from the Arabs, What happened? You're a noble woman. You're from a respectable family. How come you ended up falling into adultery? What did she say? Our pillows were very close together. The men's pillows were on one side, the women's pillows were on one side. And because of that, we ended up talking for a long time. Meaning, if there's just free mixing, the areas are very close, there's no boundary, there's no barrier, and you just, that's how it starts. And then it falls into zero. So where you, this is why we cut it off from the beginning. First of all, lower the gaze. And so, anyway, so that's not our topic anyway, but number, that was number 10. Number 11, Ihda Asha. Annaha istahanat alayhi bi a'immatil makri wal ihtiyal fa'arathu iyyahunna wa shakathalaha ilayhinna litasta'inna bihinna alayhi. Not only did she plan this herself, do you know all the other women of the, of the palace? She actually got all of them to help set this up. She got all the other women involved to help her set this kind of thing up with Yusuf alayhi salam. So he was like, even if he fell into it, he wouldn't be blameworthy at all. Because he was very, very forced into this. Not just, This is why Yusuf he chose not to come out of the prison. Even when he got the opportunity. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Rahimallahu Yusuf. 
May Allah have mercy on Yusuf He said out of humbleness, we know the Prophet was the greatest prophet. He said, my Yusuf had more sabr than me. He said, I would not be able to be patient. If somebody came and called me from the prison, after being in the prison for so long, despite being innocent, I would jump out of there the first opportunity. Yusuf didn't come out when he had the opportunity. He said, no, I'm not going to come out until everybody declares that I'm innocent. All of those women as well, they were part of it as well. It wasn't the Zulaykha. All I want every single woman to say and declare that Zulaykha is blameworthy and Yusuf is innocent. Only then I'll come out. I don't want to come out and there's a blame. People are criticizing me for something I didn't do. I'd rather... The life in the prison is better for me than that life of blame. So this is Yusuf alayhi salam. Number 12. She actually threatened him. She said, if you do not commit this act with me, I'm going to imprison you and I'm going to humiliate you in front of everybody. He was under so much pressure. Did he succumb to that pressure? We don't have any pressure. We're the ones running behind the lines. He had all of this pressure. Okay, all of this pressure, that was number 12. There's another one, 13. The husband of this woman, he was uh, he, he wasn't he wasn't really manly. How do we find how does how did Ibn al-Qayyim find out that this man wasn't very manly? He didn't have ghira. How? Because you know later on when he did find out what Zulaikha had done, he told Yusuf just ignore her. And he just told her, Just go talk about you've done something wrong. He, he, he carried on living with her. He didn't get angry, he didn't get cross with her, he didn't chastise her for doing this, trying to commit zina with an innocent person. So he says that he knew that the, the husband of this woman doesn't really care. So he could have got away with it. But all of these He says, despite all of these things pushing him in that direction, Yusuf chose to remain with Iffa, with chastity, with piety, with taqwa. And he said, Rabbi Sijr, Ahabu ilayya mimma I'd rather stay in the prison than go to that which they're calling me towards. So this is what Imam Ibn Qayyim mentions here. MashaAllah, we have we're speaking about Yusuf and Misr. And MashaAllah, we have Shaykh Ani from Misr. Alhamdulillah, we're going to hear a beautiful recitation of the Quran. Ramadan is the month of the Quran. How beautiful we have that it's the month of the Quran. Ramadan is coming to an end. We have a beautiful Quran reciter, inshallah. I'm going to end by mentioning this. He says, وَفِي هَذِهِ الْقِصَّةِ مِنَ الْعِبَرِ وَالْفَوَائِدِ وَالْحِكَمِ مَا يَزِيدُ عَلَىٰ أَلْفِ فَائِدَةِ He says, in this story alone, just this story alone, Ibn Qayyim says, there are so many wisdoms and benefits, there are more than 1,000 lessons we can take from there. لَعَلَّنَا إِنْ وَفَّقَ اللَّهِ if Allah gives me the tawfiq, inshaAllah, I will make musannaf mustaqil. I will make a separate book, inshaAllah, just on the fawaid of the story of Yusuf alayhi salam staying away from this 
sin of zina. Insha'Allah from here we will continue after Salatul Fajr and then tomorrow after Asr we'll be concluding our journey of the book of Imam Ibn Qayyim Rahmatullah Alayh Al-Jawab Al-Kafi Liman Sa'ala Anid-Dawa'i Shafi May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala give us a tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen